This episode of Snake and Banter is brought to you by eSportsBet, the industry's leading crypto odds matrix. Did you know right now you can not only bet on eSports, you can actually bet on soccer slash football games at the World Cup. Indeed, you can see there. And obviously, you can go ahead and they have their own bonus attached to that. But if you've never put crypto onto eSports bet, where you can bet on all CSGO, Blast, all the rest of it, all the CCT, all those smaller tournaments, they have their classic first-time deposit bonus of 50% up to 200 USDT, just using the referral link in the description box below. Right, this is going to be another episode of Snake and Banter, the show where me and Maui Snake talk about things usually about the same. Here's the thing. It sounds like it's a really varied show, but if you notice, the pro the only downside on this show I've noticed is we can be indulgent because we pick our own points. So the joke is, like, Maui can just talk about big every 2.5 months. I can just talk about device every episode or simple or something. Like, it, like half of the show really is just, like, packaging my co petty complaints into, like, a talk show point, you know? So there's a lot of that going on. But with that said, on this episode, well, we're having a guest on every episode, to be fair. I don't think we ever did more than one, but it was just the two of us. That's interesting angle. Probably no. should try some every now and then when someone's not available, but I haven't really thought of that. I just went in the guest route. So you might have seen Tech Girl here on the American, America's RMR for the major and some smaller tournaments, some of those smaller lands during the year. And obviously, she's worked in many other games. And if you are part of that, or 5K people or whatever who saw it, you might have seen my appearance on her podcast, where, believe it or not, and it was kind of a different take from normal Maui, because what I did was I talked at length about anything I wanted to talk at with a lot of, like, uh, spicy sound bites and references and analogies. So, you know, it's kind of a different feel to usual, you know. I <laughs> I actually watched. I watched the whole thing. It was pretty good. You had okay. some. You had some gems yeah. in there. You had some. Yeah, uh, some good stuff about the industry. If anybody's in the space or looking to get in the space, I think it's a good listen. Tech Girl's hosting it pretty well too. Yeah, true. Also, I will just say as well, I do do that thing where like it's. I, I actually do it consciously now. I do essentially call out people who are my friends and colleagues. Like when they listen to those episodes, they'll definitely be, you know that famous meme of like, I feel spoken to. Like if you were like someone who works on desk to me, you watch all those episodes, you will absolutely be like, is he talking about me? I am. But understand, I did it in a polite way and I just didn't name you. So, so whatever I said what you were doing that was wrong, fix it. Doesn't have to be awkward, does it? And then don't worry, I'm also the sort of person where I don't feel any shame. So I'll meet you again and shake your hand and just drink a fuck. I'll smile right to your face. Don't even worry about it. So, okay, tech girl, here's the thing. Obviously, on that episode, we did talk about the idea, like, what if we were on a desk? Like, but so I'm expecting to bring bring some spice on this one, right? I want to actually, I want to see. It's not you're not the host now. You're, you're, we're we're here to listen to what you have to say and to see what your brain comes up with. So, and it's your fault, whatever you say. Now you can't just blame the analysts. So, what we'll do is we always start with the guest. So, what is your good point that you're bringing to the show for this one? My good point's a little bit weird because like I actually do like spice. I love drama. Uh, it's, it's kind of my favorite thing. So my good point for, for this is config going to heroic, even temporarily for Blast World Finals, just because I love like the heroic Astralis like rivalry. I did Pinnacle earlier in the year and all I wanted in the final was Glaive and Cadian uh, to interview sure. both of them next to each other before the game. Uh, that was that was vetoed by uh, Kate, not Cadian actually. I think it might have been Glaive. But besides the points, I, I like that there's this rivalry. So the fact that like you know conflict was was out of Astralis because of the fights in Malta, the Astralis rivalry. Now he's going to stand in for heroic. There's so many like cool spicy stories there. Just from the the first for me is obviously like the 
the hero's return, if you like, because I actually rate Config as a player. I think this is his chance for, for him to return and, and possibly show that, that he should be picked up by another organization. But then there is also <coughs> something kind of fun about the fact that he, he has to get removed from Astralis. Obviously, I think that their hands were tied. But his, his next, uh, well, not his next appearance, he did play online, but like his next LAN appearance is with Heroic. I just love that. So that's my good point. I'm really excited for that. I don't even care how, how Heroic does. I just like the idea of Config walking out in a Heroic shirt, to be honest. Okay. Well, you up my way. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I wanted Config to continue to play for Astralis, regardless of what happened there. I know that he did obviously get into that incident where he took himself out of commission by what he like i mean he injured himself in such a way that he couldn't keep playing which is something that's completely irresponsible but sure. i also think that astralis would be in a better place today if they had him and also just on a in a uh, greater sense i think i've kind of made my my stand for how i enjoy artists and athletes for my whole life just like i separate the person from their work like i don't necessarily i can hold anyone, anyone coming to mind sense. at the moment no 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 maybe maybe don't reference anyone but i think we can all guess you know what Mao might be talking about there sure <laughs> yeah. there's recent ones but there's ones that like farther okay. in the past too you know okay. this is a stand that i've just had okay. for like most right. of my life you, you just have to if you if you just get mad at everything someone does outside of the game then you're gonna end up basically like just yelling at the clouds you know you're gonna just you're gonna be mad at just about everything sure by the way, along those lines, I definitely agree with the, both both aspects of that. Like, for example, you don't have to agree with what Config did or think like that's relevant. Like, you don't even have to think he should stay in Astralis. You can separately just want to see him play Counter Strike again. He's a brilliant Counter Strike player. And then, by the way, that's even the angle where it's actually tough if you're Astralis because I totally understand, especially now that more details came out, why they kicked him. Like, actually, if you look at it, I didn't even thought of this before Richard did his video. Actually, he's the one who made this point. I didn't even thought of the angle that, like, technically, because he couldn't travel because if you remember even though he injured his leg it was in such a ridiculous fashion that yeah he was actually told like don't fly out of malta basically like you could injure yourself on the plane like it could cause like i don't know some sort of blood issue i assume or something with the bone right and so because he was actually trapped there it turns out he couldn't have attended the rmr like we thought maybe you know he was benched and maybe it was like a disciplinary thing or maybe they were bringing another player no it turns out he actually did just basically leave his team in the lurch at the 11th hour they went to an rmr that they failed and so in doing so yeah it did cost them potentially millions of dollars like all the sticker money all the tour tournaments so like that was bad enough but the problem is and this is why esports is always going to be a place by the way where there are these characters that can make mistakes or do more questionable things because the problem is his talent outweighs that if you're just judging it in the server like the analogy you might know this one maui snake there's a player in the nfl he's probably not going to play again now called antonio brown the wide receiver and basically look he actually does have a backstory that people never mention which does make me a bit upset which is he did actually receive like a ridiculous head hit a few years ago from a defensive player which i'm not joking like that was like the moment that he went into like another dimension and ever since then unfortunately he's done a lot of what people would describe as i'll say people describe as i think it's quite reductive crazy behavior like he's just done a lot of wild things in fact the last time people saw him he just took off his shirt and just like ran off the field basically like he's it's he seems like he's a very troubled person but why was he still playing because no matter what disciplinary issues he's had as long as he's legally allowed to play in the nfl if you're a team there's always going to be a team out there where they're like 
we'll, we'll roll the dice, we'll gamble. What if we get the upside? What if we get how mega he is as a player? So I actually think this move, by the way, is also a really good move all around because Heroic has their own unfortunate circumstances where Stown can't attend. We're, we're speculating because it just seems likely. If you know the story of why he didn't attend last year's world final where his brother basically died a few days before the final, I'm imagining maybe the anniversary aspect of that is some factor as to why they've given him this time off now. But... In that scenario where essentially Heroic was going to be going to the line without their best player, and so automatically you think, well, they're not going to win. It kind of takes the luster off the Heroic angle. This is actually like a, I never saw it coming, but it's actually like kind of a unique angle to give like a bit of interest to the Heroic storyline again. And I said this on one of my other shows that hasn't come out yet, so I won't cannibalize the point. But I actually even think it's a pretty good role for role swap, Maui. What do you think? I actually think for real, if you put config with like shush creating space for so dude, I think this could be actually pretty good. I think they're gonna even win some games. I think that it would be like marginally better if he kind of like took some of Testus's roles and Stown's roles. I think those would match him more perfectly. But yeah, in terms of getting to be a star, also getting to be a hybrid, that's something that Config has done in the past. So I think that that's a really good angle that he kind of gets to prove himself in more or less his comfortable spots. I think actually, um, like position for position, there's a decent amount of overlap here, which is why this this position yes. or this uh, this substitution just makes a lot of sense on paper. Listen, in an ideal world, I want to see Config, Blame F, and Device together. Like, because I think that that would have been sure. Glor- I thought that would have been glorious, but it's not going to happen. And like you, like I mean, we've spoken about it now, but also that he was never going to be able to stay on after what he'd done. I think it sets a precedent for bad behavior. So if he was going to go anywhere else to showcase himself, I just think that the heroic, especially because didn't the fight happen after the heroic loss as well? That yes, kind of makes that was that actually spurred it. And by the way, Config also has that problem where like, you know when people always say I have a really good memory? Yeah, because you need it because if you don't have a really good memory and you're someone who makes a lot of controversial statements, you will inevitably hoist yourself by your own petard. Like, you'll have seen it by now. Everyone's retweeted it. Last year, Tech Girl, Config actually did a tweet himself during that whole drama with Hunden and the heroic players where it was implied some people thought maybe the players themselves knew about like the cheating that Hunden was doing. And he did a tweet himself where he basically just said like, fuck heroic and did like a middle finger emoji it's like, brother, you know, you gotta like at least delete it when like they announced the fucking move or something. Like, don't just leave that tweet out there in the wild, ready to just come back to you. So it's just also that just shows you, by the way, like Config was always flying a bit, you know, by the seat of his pants to some degree. By the way, I'll make a small prediction now. I know this is a wild thing to say, but I believe it. Right? You can't expect that people are going to literally like transform like a movie and become a totally radically different person. A bit like the old stupid hashtag everyone did for New Simple or whatever. He never really became New Simple. He just polished some of the rough edges off. He'd had less incidents. And when he had some of them, spoiler, I can tell you, they were behind closed doors and they weren't talked about and they weren't things public and they weren't tweets and they weren't stupid things on stream. So I don't expect config to become a saint tomorrow like i would even predict you'll have a little bit of edgy behavior and shit talk you'll have all that again soon enough because the other thing i feel with someone like him is i think you, you'll see there's like a cycle to how it goes like when they're at the peak of their powers and they're really good and they're winning in the game and everything's going awesome that's when they're most likely to then get a bit of ego and start flexing it and being a bit silly and that's when they're going to push the boundaries a bit so the key thing is you're safe now because he has to go through the redemption cycle and he has to find a team again he has to prove himself and he has to lay low for a little while so i think we're at the beginning of that cycle for me and all the people were like wow he's back on the scene already no this is like early doors he's not even in a real team yet as you said technically he stood in online now he's going to stand in for one lan and spoil it he is not replacing his style full time there's not even any chance of that happening so I actually think this is like I said I think it's just a good move all around I don't really see what the negative would be especially because it's not even a permanent move it's just a chance for him to sort of show off on a team that otherwise will be dead for this event at least so 
Right, go there, Maui. What is your good point? Yeah, I I really like the fact that Valve went to change out Dust2 and bring in Anubis. I guess it could have been a, a handful of maps, actually, from my perspective, but I'm just glad that they chose Anubis because it's the first time since Cache that they actually included a community-made map as opposed to bringing their own creation into it. And so I, I think that the the guys that made this, Roald, JD40, Jakuza, I think they actually did a really good job with the map, and I think that it also sets a really nice precedent for what Valve may do in the future, where instead of doing these in-house maps that I think we've seen suck ass, I think we are now going to get some maps that are actually a little bit better like compared to ancient compared to vertigo this map plays so much better it looks way better i think it's just way more thoughtful in terms of the layout and design of it so if they're going to start including community maps and they're willing to actually pay these these map makers one it's just that we're going to get better maps in the pool but two it also actually spurs on this economy or these people <coughs> that are actually going to probably work harder on making community maps with the with the hope and the intention to sell it to valve and I think that we, we see how much money people make from skins in this game already. Like, I want map makers to do that, too, because they have more of a direct impact on what we get to enjoy as, as spectators or pundits. Sure. What do you think, Tech Girl? I'm excited about it because it's the same thing. I like the community aspects. And I also just think it's going to elevate competitive play. But if we start getting more and more of the community making maps, people are going to think about things that we haven't thought about, just add a little bit more extra to what we're seeing. But also, I just think it looks really pretty, which I like, because I think visually it's a really nice map. And from what I've seen so far, the, the gameplay on it looks quite fun. So I like the idea that they're now opening it up a bit. And I think it's important for the longevity of the game as well. And from a competitive point of view, just making sure it's a bit more fun. And it is way better than Ancients, in my opinion. So I'm excited about that. If only it replaced it, that's all I'm going to say. No, what I would say is, like, on your point, by the way, I definitely agree with that community angle. I actually think, like, low-key... That's like a scandal, like a can of worms. No one's ever truly opened because like, that's like the elephant in the room in Counter-Strike history, if you think about it. Not only did Valve not make Counter-Strike the game or even CSGO, they even actually like shipped CSGO out to a third-party people that made it for them. But crucially, the old maps weren't made by them at all. Those were just made by community people and they just got put in the game. Now, it's true... That nothing they did was illegal. If you know how it worked, what they did is they had an SDK, Standard Developer Kit, in Half-Life. And basically, you used that to make like uh, artifacts and elements for Counter-Strike, which Counter-Strike itself was made using that, and Half-Life, right? But the downside was, if you used that, it was within like the terms of service that you agreed to. Essentially, like Valve owns it. Like, they own anything you make. Like, look, on the one hand, that's fair. Like, they were giving you a free tool to make something with. But the problem I have is this mouse thing. I know they couldn't have known at the time it was going to be like that. But if you think of like the map that was just removed, Dust 2, that is Counter-Strike to people who are casual fans of FPS games. Like that, I'm no joke. It has done, won this, by the way. That has won like the most iconic map slash level ever in like polls over the decades, or even a few years ago, it won one, like shows how old school it is. So my problem is this. That was just made by a guy for Fonzies. And I don't even know if that guy ever got money. Like maybe he got something, maybe they gave him a, a sort of arbitrary sum at the beginning. But I do kind of feel like when you consider CSGO, the game has literally generated billions of dollars of profit, forget even revenue, profit for Valve. I agree, like, there's a, like, pretty it wouldn't be unreasonable if the people who made, like, the classic, but they should have, like, 100 cares from it in my world. Like, or, or maybe we make some crowdfunding element where there's some way to pay them for it, you know, like, maybe you do something, like you bring back those old people, you do a crowdfunding thing, you, 
once it reaches a certain mark, they make a new map, but they're sort of getting paid for the old map, if you know what I mean. Because I do think, like, that's the element of Counter-Strike that we all ignore. Every other sport just has the field. Like, you just have a field. That's what you play on, right? Counter-Strike lives and dies by the maps. In fact, the whole reason why there's, like, pr practically, like, a civil war every time they change the map is because everyone who hates, like, Ancient comes out to battle the people who already hated Vertigo. And then there's people like me who are just boomers. So we're just, like... Even though it's a five-year-old take, I really still hate the rework of Nuke. And everyone's like, no one agrees with that opinion, but that's just my life. So we're all used to that at this point in time. So I think Anubis isn't a bad issue. I will say I haven't played it enough to really know if I like it as a map. But also the reason I haven't done that is I've found I don't think it actually helps to play the map in matchmaking because it has no relevance to how they use it in pro play. I have to see it played in pro play a few times because I've had a few times I've played a map in matchmaking. I was like, this isn't bad and it's just terrible in pro play and vice versa, actually. Like as much as I don't like Vertigo, I do think it's a way better map to watch them play, even though other people tend to have the opposite opinion, I've found bizarrely, so I don't mind it, but as I say, I can't comment on specifically on Anubis itself, I don't really know in that regard. Well, I think if we want to speculate on what Anubis can be, I think it's going to be a map that's really good for like lurk potential, and I think that it's going to be a game, because there's just so many angles on the map if you have to traverse it, so if you have to rotate, there's all these like little crevices and cracks, and if people like like ROPs get really sneaky and they start like, you know, late flanking or something. It's going to be really tough for for CTs. And I think that I, I think it's going to lead to a lot of interesting gameplay. And I think the bombsite sites are bombsite fights are just so entertaining as it is. And just and and this is taking from like face it or matchmaking experience sure. and, and some of the, the games that have been played at like the ECL level, like all, all of those right now, I think like the when people get the bomb planted it feels like there's just new angles and new ways that people are combating each other i think it's really cool to watch already Fair do you think we'll see it though because i think uh, they, they said that it will be available for the the blast world finals which is obviously like the last big one do you think any of the teams are going to play it is it too soon do you think anyone's going to possibly have it and we'll actually get to see something do you know one downside people didn't think about when it was announced is you'll know this maui one of the reasons why dust 2 hasn't been played that much is a lot of teams have it as the permaban nowadays so yeah the problem i have is unfortunately if you replace a lot of teams permaban with a brand new map they're just going to permaban that map you know what i mean like exactly. people will just be a bit cynical so unfortunately like i don't know in that regard like the other problem i think you have is this because the blast world finals is a really stacked event the only real team that's incentivized to go ham is og because they're the one that shouldn't really have a chance to win a Otherwise. So I also think if you notice, to me, the teams that bring new maps into the pool is usually like teams like 10 to 15, say, in the world, because they have the most incentive to try and get like some weird side edge on the team as a third map that haven't practiced it with some top team and who are avoiding it, you know. So I don't really know if the finals is enough. I feel like I, I don't think it'll be played that much personally. I think what they'll do is they'll leave, they'll leave it till the third map and then they'll just play chicken yeah. to see who, who permits it or, or second rotations or whatever, you know. Or it'll just not get played if you don't go to three maps, if you know what I mean. I feel like Vitality might try it. I feel like G2 should try it. Oh, like, they definitely teams. <laughs> yeah, so, like, there's a there's probably, like, a few there that should be interested in going for it if people aren't going to ban it. But, like, it is kind of it is kind of frustrating thinking about the World Finals in that Heroic, which is probably one of the best teams right now, is just going to ban it because why would they? They're, they're, they've already been banning Dust 2. Yep, so exactly. That's not going to change anything. Okay. My good point. 
This is, by the way, Maui, I always rib you for, you know, for all the other jangles on, it's going to be about big or bloody, or what event did Maui work last? Oh, I get, they're brilliant. Are they? Oh, Tommy, are. Is it the way they take care of you? We all know the jokes, right? So this is going to be one of my own moments to be indulgent. Because I will say, this is a bit of a reach if you actually look who he played. But I'm going to do it anyway, Maui. My good point is Device's return. Oh, he was carrying, wasn't he? He was dropping 50. I mean, look, he was playing absolute nobody's like, understand fans, I get it. It doesn't matter. Not these games matter but even so first of all it does play completely into the wheelhouse of what I actually speculated would happen which is of all the players in Counter-Strike history I think Device might be the most durable if you actually look like he seems to just have mastered how to like get his game to a level that he wants it to be at and how to play like even when they said he was bad in Nip dude like the floor on that play was amazing he was still never like an actual bad play he just wasn't at the level as simple as he were when the top 10 players he's probably still like a top 10 to 20 player in the world so it doesn't surprise me that he's come back and he's good like spoiler people know he's played a few face it pogs over the last few months he's just a player where like I think he's got the mindset to compete skills are obviously mega and have lasted years and years so even though look this tournament doesn't matter the CCT is just a tier 2 tier 3 thing that Avastras is already playing almost as a PR move just to get device on the server before the year ends but like crucially for me at least it shows he can play and he's willing to play matches again and if he actually does start early next year like I would just predict he's good out the gate man. maybe not his best but I think he's just going to be good and so in light of what we said about the config move because I agree tech girl the really depressing thing was we spent so long waiting for device to join that config isn't even there when he joins and <laughs> we wait all that time like but imagine this team with devices where oh he's gone like the, oh, you know like he's finally there but now config's gone so i actually think there's actually I'm, I'm already hyped to see him play properly anyway so i'm just glad at the idea he's actually he did play a game in 2022 anyone jump in yeah, yeah. i'm gonna I mean, yeah well, i was yeah go for it i was go waiting i was trying to be polite but, like, i'm gonna I'm psyched. Like, I'm super psyched about this. I love Device. I loved him when he was on Astralis before. I'm excited that he's back. I'm glad that he's popping off. My concern is, is the rest of that lineup as it is right now good enough? Because right? his shoulders, are they really big enough? Even with Blame F's biceps, I mean, I just don't know if it's enough. Like, I feel like they're going to have to make a few other changes. And that's my only concern. If you're not making the changes now, then what we're going to spend the beginning of next year trying to figure out what that looks like. That, that makes me a little bit sad because I kind of want that that big return to glory. I want them to jump into their first big events and just blow everyone out the water. I want that for device, but I just don't know if they can do it. I'm excited that he's back and he still can perform the way he did, but I have some concerns. What what I find really funny about the the situation is kind of like, like without anybody really noticing, Astralis just kept playing with Mr. instead of using Farlig as a rifler when they brought in Device. Like They've it, never it was, addressed it at any point. They haven't no, even said he's benched. I don't know exactly. I was looking for it. I was looking for it. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, shouldn't Farlig be a better rifler than Mr. Surely? Because at this level, I mean, he even on T-side did use the rifle sometimes. Like, yeah, sure, CT would right. be a little bit awkward for him. But like, if he's just playing those kind of anchor spots or what Mr. was doing, I think he's probably more skilled than Mr. So I don't get why he's not in the lineup. But I know there was that rumor that they were shopping him for Stare. Uh, trying to swap him out do a one-for-one one with with sprout which i actually think would probably benefit uh both teams so i don't know why sprout's too concerned <coughs> about that but uh no I, I think that right now with with device i my my big take about device is just that yeah i think he's going to be really good too i don't i don't think that there's going to be really much catching up he has to do he's 
I mean, he's always been more on the cerebral side. Uh, of course, incredibly skillful. I think already in the games that he played against Heat, I only I only really caught some of the Heat game, and I saw that like you know if he gets like a window of opportunity, he's pretty good at just hitting the headshot right as fast as as fast as possible. So I'm not really yes. concerned about that side of things. And he actually played like fairly selflessly like he wasn't just like like usually i think when a guy comes from face it after playing for super long you probably think oh is he going to be too selfish but no i think he played well within the system it was kind of the other people on the roster that to me didn't seem like they held up their end of the bargain so for for device i think that this is just kind of like there, there's very little you can hold against him after with all we're hearing from nip's side of things where it's like Device wanted to play, or at least that's what Richard intonated, that Device wanted to play, NIP didn't want um, him to play so that they could use basically welfare to pay him as opposed to paying out of their own pockets. I mean, all of that, all of that information. You know what, you know how mad up. that is if you think about it? Because yeah, the reason, so like I've always said, if people don't know, half of the information me and Richard have revealed about Astralis, half of it, which we're clear when it's the distinction, by the way, is real sourced information. But the other half is you just guess because basically you have to try and figure out like what's Nickel and I am up to today. And you just try and figure out this is what the angle could be. And if you notice, I've nailed a bunch of those, even though I didn't always have the inside info. Like I told you, for example, there never would be a 10-man roster that was just a way to make it not look like the players going inactive and trying to negotiate to go elsewhere we're trying to go elsewhere it made it look like no no we're just you know developing talent or some bullshit but even so like the reason why the nip astralis one has still more layers to the onion is because think about the combo you've got nip and astralis there's fuckery on both ends. Like, who can even unravel? Because <laughs> yeah. the genius there is you couldn't even figure out who the actual bad guy is. Like, is it actually Device or is it Astralis or is it Nip? Like, fucking hell. Like, no one knows. So, yeah, as you say, that's an angle that no one even thought of. Like, in theory, you're right. Like, they were using the Swedish government to pay this guy's salary to play, to not play Counter Strike. <laughs> yeah, and I think that dispels the notion that this was Device taking like an extended yes. mental break that I think some people became pretty skeptical yes. skeptical of, and it almost felt exploitative of that label of like yes. mental health. But it actually, in actuality, it's not even Device necessarily wanting to stay down and stay on the bench. So it's more like mental wealth. If anything, you know. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. or act. I mean, it's actual wealth. <laughs> right, true. Yeah, you know, it's physical wealth. Exactly. Yeah, it's hard coin. Yeah. Although it's a cashless society in Sweden. But enough about flushes tax but i don't know whatever you figure out the joke we'll, we'll, we'll focus group that one by the way the cool thing is as well I, I it's also just nice maui to by the way as an aside i agree people from face it can be quite selfish so shout out pgl stockholm major 2021 but also on other news actually this is my roommate that's coming back now maui snake you might not know this but for the last few years every time i've been walking around in that penthouse apartment i've got a fallen head Device has the other room, doesn't he? Because he's been been owning the game. <laughs> oh, By the way, I only did that. I, that wasn't even that good. I only did that because I did say to Fallen on Twitter that like I won't roast him on Twitter for the next month because he took that picture of me at that event. But this isn't Twitter, Fallen. Understand? I have a multifaceted approach. I check the terms and conditions. I only agreed to Twitter. On chores, you still get this work. Don't even worry about that. So don't even worry about that. It's all good. It's all good. If the bonuses I mentioned at the beginning of the episode didn't tickle your fancy, then they obviously still have the classic bet forgiveness up to 100 USDT for your first crypto bet. If you bet and lose, go to the Discord, discord.gg slash esportsbet. Tell them last free nation or foreign sent you and they will credit you up to 100 USDT depending on what your initial stake was. Pro tip, I always say, put it on an underdog. Like, you know what? Maybe England against France or something. Yeah, who knows? Chick chuck it on an underdog and see that way if the underdog comes through, then you get the multiplier. If you lose, then you get your original stake back. Bish bash bosh. Bob's your uncle.
Right, okay, let's move on now. So here's also where it could start to get a bit spicy because we're going into the bad point category now. So Tech Girl, what is your bad point? I think for me, it's that Jackson's obviously announced that they are shutting down. And I know like it's a controversial thing because a lot of people think it's a bit tabloid junky. But for me, I mean, I said this at the start with my good points. I like the drama behind the scenes. I watch a lot of football. It's the same when I say football Maui, that's soccer, just so that we're clear. Uh, but uh, like, <laughs> Catching strays, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're just the designated American Maui, don't worry about it. Yeah, I guess since we're out of the like, World Cup, it is football. Yeah, it's fine. There we go. But I, I like the, the drama behind the scenes sometimes. And I do think it also adds like a little bit of spice because at the end of the day, like, yes, we all like watching everyone play, but some of those stories make it more entertaining. I, I think it is fun when heroic face off against Australis because you know there's a little bit of beef there. It makes it a little bit more interesting and you can jump in a bit more. So I just don't think it's good for the scene when we see more media houses shutting down. It's obviously like a, a thing that we've seen lots of, but I don't like the idea of there being only like a select few voices in the community outside of the tournaments giving us that information so for me that's the bad point i do think we need more stories and we need more more places where that content can live and with different voices so that would be my bad point for for this one i don't really uh i, I that, that label that people gave it that it's tabloidy i actually want i mean one i don't entirely agree with that sort of uh, depiction of what Jackson was was doing, but I also think it's not even bad if they were doing it because I actually think that it's viable. It should be viable to have different types of news sources in the space. Like I don't know if anybody here follows that TLDR newsletter, but they kind of uh, they work their. I mean, the way that they operate, they they got they insert a lot of uh, opinions. It's kind of editorial driven. It's it's very much like you you get the personality of the writers in the newsletter, and I don't think that's a problem because if you want to just be like HLTV and be fairly sterile, very straightforward, then that's fine, and you can just carry out those interviews, which really aren't they're they're written just to basically consume what the. Uh, what the player or the coach or the interviewee is actually is actually saying they're not they're not meant to like drive you to think anything necessarily <coughs> and i think that it, that's something that really like it would have been cool in this space if it got a little bit more memey if it got a little bit more jokey if people started to fling a little bit of shit just to make things a little bit more interesting at times like i'm not trying to say like let's just rip out the foundations of the scene and make it a total joke but i also think that having a position or a place for that um, which which Jackson was kind of doing, not saying that they were full blown going all in on it. I think that's fine. I, I actually like. I don't think that everything needs to be so hard, fast. Just just like pure like the ster sterile is the word that I used before. I'm just gonna say it. that's just kind of what I read as HLTV, and I I want more things that are just different. Hard hard degree. The other thing as well, like I've got a few angles on this. So first of all, like on the point you made there, Tech Girl, about the fact that like a media house is closing out, that's obviously sad because loads of these big websites just close after a year, a year or two. They don't get much of a run in them as it is. And unfortunately, that's because for some reason esports media is like a super accelerated version of what happens when people invest in teams and leagues. If they invest in teams and leagues, they sort of get that it's going to be like 5, 10, 15 years before they're going to like make money, before they're going to be in a great position. They know that you buy into essentially 
essentially like occupy part of the space and then you hope the whole industry rises and it's like a rising tide carries all ships that's the logic right of why people believe it or not will by the way to this day would potentially buy an Overwatch League slot or buy into the LCS or something games that in theory people think of plateaued the problem is in media I've heard this way too many times and it really makes me wonder who how they build what Jackson was going to do because in this particular case I'm just speculating I, I don't know behind the scenes what they did maybe we'll find out in the future but I know a lot of those sites the upcomers of the world the Yahoo Esports when they've done all these different sites what they tend to do is someone has way over aggressively sold the initial investment and what they've told you is like you know by year three we're going to have and then they have like some outrageous amount of page count and impressions and like numbers you could just never reach and so the problem with that is not only if you want the problem in esports is this right you'll know this Maui like it's not about the quality of the content a massive part of it is marketing which involves like your name your the size of your platforms like if you even just hit I mean even just actually doing something spicy to get like the right angle so someone's clicking your news post and they're not reading for example the rewritten version of your news post that someone did on HLTV when you post it on a different site that says report or whatever the fuck or does one little hyperlink at the top so the problem is like to get those hits, you're going to have to burn through all the money that you just took from the investor hiring big names. And so in the case of Jackson, they went a different route. If people don't know that one of the main guys behind the site was a guy who was like the media and PR guy for North. That's why he had connections to Config and some of the other people in the scene, especially it was from the Danish scene. So he already had his little niche, which was he knows the Danish space. He has all these different, all tier one, tier two, tier three level. He has all these different contacts. And actually, the reason I want to touch on the, because um, he was even saying himself when it closed down, down, that actually they'd been doing like almost like record numbers like they'd done like we they'd done like millions of views off the config stuff alone so that's the saddest part because what that implies is real success didn't even move the needle they were still getting closed down whoever decided the money guy at the top that wasn't enough so that, that makes me just think unfortunately either that guy had an unrealistic expectation or he was sold one because unfortunately there are some people where the logic is like look Say whatever you need to get the money and we'll just have to figure it out after that. We'll just have to do whatever it takes. In terms of the tabloid angle, I actually think that's whack as fuck. Because like, what I'd love to do, I wouldn't really because they're all 14-year-old idiots, is like, what do you think tabloid means? As far as I yeah. can tell, they think it's like this. But it was a story about someone being drunk and punching. That's like a tabloid. Like, no, no, that's not what makes something a tabloid. Tabloid is a very specific type of reporting. Like, for example, if, a, if the article was written in a very silly manner or it sensationalized elements that would obviously be classic tabloid right what i don't think people realize is you think like the times like a very famous broadsheet newspaper probably the most famous in the world the times of london you think they wouldn't report on like a violent incident involving a massive sports star of course they would if you go to the back of the sports page you'll be there the question is what journalism would they use to report on that and my issue is this i know because i've actually been a source of some of the jackson stories that they actually do use very legit methods in esports like by the way jackson is levels above all those anonymous leakers you see on the internet some of those anonymous leakers i'll just tell you straight up are a guy who's like nobody they're not a famous person that's why they don't do the face reveal till they get like the 100k view because they're nobody you, you wouldn't want to see the they're not a famous person but the reason they don't tell you who they are it's because if you knew they were nobody you wouldn't waste your time reading the tweets and what they tend to be is they're a guy who's friends with like a guy who was the assistant manager of fanatic league of legends who told them not even about fanatic like i've heard g2 
who's getting this guy. And that's their story. They just come out with that story. Because remember, there's no downside to doing it. It's a fucking egg on Twitter. You don't really lose anything if you miss. But if you hit, everyone subscribes, everyone follows. It's all that that's tabloid journalism to me, because they're not even using like proper journalistic methods. Whereas I can tell you, not only are there stories Jackson has reported on when they contacted people like me or others in the scene and were like, We've heard this from our source. Have you heard something similar? And then looked for a lead where they could like corroborate the information independently, which to me is the true sign of an actual legit journalist. But I know they've done that with others in the space too. And so the key sign is this. You know, it seems if you're just an outside fan, like, oh, all they did is every week they just had an update on the config story. Yet, but why didn't they have every single possible rumor and detail? Why didn't they have 50 stories about config? Why didn't they have stories about config and then just speculation about... Because the stories they didn't publish... There's times where I even told them, actually, I don't have a source on that one. And I noticed it took two weeks extra for that story to come out. That means, by the way, they had their source. They could have just gone with it the day after I said no. So that that's actually why, if you notice, people like me, I can't say for Richard, but I suspect some of him. I noticed Richard always complimented them and said everything was right there he'd seen there. That's why, if you notice, they got sort of the seal of approval of the OG journalists because we could see they're using the right methods. So personally, I don't think it's at all like off limits to talk. Because in this case, here's the problem with the config story. If config had never been unable to leave Malta and he'd been able to go to the RMR and that had all just been something where it was up to Astralis if it was ever revealed. That's one thing. But as soon as he literally can't play in the team, and in this particular case, I mean, I knew this was going to come out sadly because of the nature of the story. I'd already heard the story about a previous esports event he was at where at the event he'd had this drama. So as soon as you do things like that, there's a term in journalism, it's called, is it in the public interest or not? That is in the public interest. Like you want to know why did he get benched from Astralis? Because he's bad at the game it's because of this actual thing he did in his job it wasn't just all private life stuff so to me i understand it's tricky there are times where i do think certain things should never be in the news like i'll like i'll just say this right now there's certain people where it's just like some girlfriend drama or something i'm like look if the girlfriend isn't in esports what does that have to do with this player like that's his private life like he can as long as he didn't do it himself on his twitter or something that that is his right life so i think the tabloid thing is just people on reddit essentially tabloid just means i don't like this outlet it's like it's just a smear in it because as far as i can tell people love the actual tabloid shit the tabloid shit is those stupid leaker accounts they're mega popular dude people love it when fucking overdrive does what he does every time he doesn't say like oh i've heard like maybe this team's considering he just goes like fours minus this player navi plus this player that that's not journalism that's just like fucking a rumor that you're presenting as like just fact like and if you notice mate Forget does this guy hit and miss. He's using a Gatling gun. He's just firing fucking a machine gun and then a couple hit. And you go, but he was right about that. Like, motherfucker, what wasn't he right about? Everything else. Like, so to me, that's more tablet. That's more TMZ. And even then, spoiler, every fan's clicking that on Reddit. Everyone's putting a comment. Everyone's discussing it. So I agree with the original point as well. Like, people have got to stop in esports. I've made this point a million times with you, Maui. Like, everyone's got to stop already in Counter-Strike pretending they watch Counter-Strike like a chess master breaking down the tactic. None of you are doing that. So, speeders, we're not doing that. We're just watching people shoot each other and going like, Coral, or whatever. Like, let's also acknowledge that we're not always only watching like, this is about this. Mm, I think this player would be a better entry here. Like, sometimes we want some drama. Sometimes you want to know like, oh, this guy. Like, I'll give you an example. You're talking about their tech girl. An angle that was never reported. It was actually Richard who said it on by the numbers late last year was that after that match where they had like the bragging rights match at Blast Four Finals, Richard heard from someone that like Cadian and Glaive or something like squared up backstage or whatever. Dude, if you even just hear that, it might not even be true, but it's already like, ooh, tell me more. Like what? And then what happened then? Like, sounds awesome, doesn't it? 
That was, I heard that story. And then when I was at Pinnacle and I got to do interviews and they made the finals, that was, I went and I was like, I want Glaive and Kadian on either side. And I want to, I want to, I want to do the interview before the game where I okay. basically ask them, you know, are you ready for this and hype it up? Because I'd heard that there had been this like face off where they'd got in each other's faces. And I mean, whether or not it was true, I thought this would be perfect because everyone else had heard it. You knew everyone, exactly. everyone talked about it. I was like, now let's put them on the stage, you know, like, come now fight like that's what do you kind of when i say fight obviously not a physical fight on the stage but i thought that would be such a cool thing and every other sport like i mean i know we're not supposed to compare ourselves to sport but the reason we watch other sports is because you see that emotion my favorite thing is to watch Cadian when he plays astralis because i feel like he overshots because he knows that it drives them insane right i love when they put the camera on his face i love watching them in game but I love watching Cadian try and side people out when he's screaming at them. And I like it when he starts sulking when he's not doing as well. That's something that I just find really interesting. And I think other people do as well. So I think it's sad that we want to like, I don't know if we all want to water it down, but I do think there's like a watered down thing happening. And I think Jackson added a, a, a little bit of that, that fun to it in a safe, in a, in a, when I say safe way, I don't like the, the leaking accounts because I think that they can sometimes damage people's real lives. They were doing it in a safe way, like you said, following proper journalism. But just writing in a tone that made it really entertaining and it yes. adds value. It adds value to the show. It's the reason I'm gonna sit and watch Config play for Heroic for Blast and actually be interested in Heroic more so than just watching them to see them play. They're not the team I would focus on. But I'm gonna do it now, and it's because of the Config story that they did. I mean, that, there it is. And by the way, Glaive versus Cadian—that's a fucking giraffe fight right there. <laughs> Give me a break, mate. Come on. Put the periscope down, will you? Everyone knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> right, okay. All right, Maui. You're, you've got a fucking bad edge you want here. So come on, hit me with it. What's your bad point, Maui? This is an interesting one. I want well, to see where you go with this. I've kind of got two parts for this one. Uh, the, the way I was proposing this is just that it, it does feel like, especially for riflers, that in CSGO, the, the skill ceiling has more or less been hit. Because when you can okay. watch... A team like Bad News Eagles just out dual phase, then you kind of know and I you kind of start to take the like the doomer pill that it's just like, wow, this game actually can only you can only hit a certain limit of how good you are in this. But the second part and where I have a little bit of hope is that I think that the A1S uh, nerf is actually going to make the playing field a little bit less even because the time to kill on that gun was just actually too fast for going for body shots such that even some on, like I would say like low skilled pro lower skilled pro could still defeat Nico in a gun duel because e even if he like hits the AK head if he's gonna hit the AK headshot in 500 milliseconds to react to that guy he's dead because it took 400 milliseconds for that guy with an A1S to kill him so I think now with the A4 and people kind of switching back to that there's some hope for this but I do think that with this game in terms of like like movement in terms of aim uh it's very rare nowadays or at least it has been very rare to see riflers actually stand out and i think that's kind of why like you sort of saw axile fall off i think that's why nico's still pretty impressive but like it, you can still <coughs> see these guys kind of come out of nowhere and just just be incredibly like skillful like like exertion for example like he looks incredibly skillful and yet he hasn't really played at the tier one for very long like i think he's great but it's kind of it kind of makes you just scratch your head a little bit like when we want this game to be so masterful and that there's so much that you can do to up your own individual ability and then you kind of just see these guys come in you're like oh well there is they're about as good as the best riflers in the world i can't really there's not a noticeable difference always between the fifth best rifler in the world and the 50th best okay 
Do you think that's just because like the skill level is, I mean, there's just, it's, in the last few years, there's just been more opportunity for like these younger players to, to get time on service, to, to up their game a little bit. So it's, it's, they've just been able to reach a higher standard. More players have been able to reach a higher standard quicker, maybe? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely due to the fact that there's a lot of ways you can train to be good at this game. But I also think that the game's mechanics themselves don't allow you to actually push it. Like, if, if you wanted Counter-Strike to be a little bit more skill-based, I think you would probably, like, increase the move speed, low, like, the hitboxes would be even smaller, make it so that people have more movement options in general. Yes. Because now, I, I, I do think that, like, it's really tough for, like... There's ways you can outplay somebody in a rifle one-on-one -on -one duel, but so many times it just feels like a it's starting to feel like a 50-50 rounding corners for a lot of the top players. And I think that's something where it's it's kind of taking away the the star power of a lot of players, but but on the on the other side, I mean like another another point I didn't hit or purposely excluded is that I think opping is where the most skillful players almost have to go to now because that's when you can truly see some of the best players in the world are consistently delivering but for riflers it's like you just flip a coin and it's like this rifler of the day is going to top frag in the server okay i think there's a bunch of like meta things you were touching on some there that i think was as account for why this is so first of all i agree the most obvious thing is the shadow of the fucking m4a1s being so cheap so good and then like especially because it just kills so quickly it's like it's just too forgiving. Like, the joke is, I'm not exaggerating. Like, I normally never go off, like, solo player stuff for esports stuff. But when they made that change, Maui, I literally loaded Counter-Strike up and just went into a CSTM. And I was like, this is actually going to be just way too OP. Like, he, like, even when I was just playing with it, I was like, this is just easy. They've actually made spring. Yeah. Like, you just, like, the joke is, if you miss one bullet, who cares? It's so fast, you're just going to get the kill in four or five bullets. It's going to die, like. So essentially, like, if you're the AK and you're trying to tap the guy in the head, like you're saying, you get, like, two chances. Max, you're dead after that. Like, this guy's just spraying you in your chest. And the worst thing is, remember, the CT can't always choose the distance a fight takes at in terms of like, the overall totality of Counter-Strike. But they can just sit behind the box on the corner. Like, if they're on the Mirage, it's short. They can just go really close. Like, good luck winning that fight. You not only have to move out, instantly spot where he is, your Corsa has to go straight to the head and kill him instantly. And if you don't, he can just kill you in the most pedestrian spray ever. That's why, in my opinion, if you look at all, you know, everyone's been looking at the stats on T-side and like, unless you're Z-Woo and simple, you just never have positive stats. Look at the people who have the insane success on T-side. It's like fucking Yekinda, Twists, these are just the guys with the most insane first one yeah. bullet aim with an AK. Like that, the point is, like that shouldn't be the standard for winning a duel against an M4A1S. Like M4 already has so many advantages. The other aspect as well, I think, and I can't believe people are cool with this part is. It's fine to keep the M4 the way it is, but the fact that it's silenced so that you can just shoot freely through the smoke and the T can't shoot you back. Dude, I actually think that is OP as fuck. Like, I've seen way too many rounds where the Ts are waiting for the smoke to fade so they can hit, like, ramp room on nuke or something. And the, guy, the CTs are just actually incentivized to so just take pot shots randomly, just shoot two bullets here, two bullets there. And if you hit them, you just dink the guy. Great. Like, you, that, that's too OP. Like, what's the counterplay to that? Like, you, you have almost no downside because he can't shoot back and know where you were from. And there's no counterplay to it. You have to just get lucky and he doesn't hit you. So to me, I, I actually think it's funny you say that the AWP angle, if it means there's more skill there, because obviously they just nerfed the amount of bullets in the AWPs. I actually even think that's one area, now that the M4 is a little bit reduced, that there might be actually more skill parity. It's like in theory now, AK versus an AWP, 
Dude, if you're with a pack, two or three people, that's a pretty fucking even fight now, mate. Because even if he kills your first guy, you're trading him. If he if he misses a couple of bullets, he's pulling back. He's on three bullets now. Like, I think you're going to see, actually, like, the orpers are going to be the ones that are going to be more scarce. Like, the real joke of that move, I know everyone was crying about, like, people like Sirius Shirt or what. Like, mate, it's the Cadians and the James of the world. I want to see how they hold up. Like, it's going to get very interesting. So I sort of agree. Like, I do think, to me, the reason the majors sucked a little bit is too much of it was just people on CT. Like, the joke is the observer just... You just go on the CT every time because he yeah. is going to win this duel. It's more than 50-50, let's be real. He's going to win it like 75% of the time. And if it's a really good team, there were teams that were just running up 10, 12 CT round halves if they needed to. Like, you, In fact, you always felt like the comeback has to come on the CT half. Yeah, and I think one thing also is that it's just it's simply less exciting for people to watch like a mow down with an A1S in a stadium. Like yes. this is such a this is such a specific point, but one, it's kind of like the when we watch someone spray people down with an A1S, it just looks so easy. It's just like they literally just pull their crosshair slightly down. When people hit A4 sprays in the past, it was a it was a work of skill. Like it was art, you know, like yes. hitting a spray transfer with that gun is really hard. And so people that were able to accomplish that I mean they really stood out like the, the electronics of the world that would or like anybody that was like a great pit anchor in the a4 meta was just like yeah, yeah exactly. maybe like breeze like all these guys yes. like they were just destroying it looks so sick and i think that i i i think that actually the a4 is coming back like based off of what i'm kind of like the the pros semi pros i'm talking to it seems like a lot of people are switching back to the a4 and hopefully that gun comes back into play because i do feel like what we saw in that last major was like anybody could win any gunfight like i i didn't matter if it was like synopsy versus twist like it didn't it literally like i don't i don't know who's gonna i think the guy with a1s is gonna win that's how i'm deciding who's gonna win this fight indeed right okay now we're gonna go to my bad point right this is actually gonna tie into the first point in the whole show because it's the other side of the equation which is it is a fucking bummer that when heroic finally wins a real land apologies to Tekel, obviously they technically won a tournament that was a small one she worked at which for her was real but for me wasn't real at all but okay a real land a big one you know they have so one that maybe in the future she could work out who knows but they finally won the big event after not winning the major obviously i want to see them play at this last tournament with navi by the way the rest of the lineup's amazing it's like all the teams you'd want almost except vitality basically like it's all the big names you'd want to see have the big showdown and if heroic had won this by the way was down they would end the year as number one they would be for real the best team in the world whereas at the moment like outsiders won a tournament but who knows what's gonna happen we have to see them here heroic just won blast finals but you know what it was by a, that much of a distance and it fades right there so the sad thing is we could have had sort of like a neat ending to a bunch of the storylines so at least we'd know going into 2023 like who is the best team whereas i feel like the heroic storyline just delays it like I mean, I, I suppose there's a world where a phase or someone could win and people say they're number one, but you wanted to see all these teams actually clash at the end because this, the calendar is a bit more sparse now. So I think just that angle, it's a bit of a bomber because like they just won and then you get the sucker punch of like they're not at the big final though. So whatever. I mean, I mean it's pretty hard. Okay, you go for it, go like, for it. Yeah, I was just saying like, I agree. I mean, one in, in a perfect, this is never going to happen. But like, imagine if they won it with config, that would be fun. But I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think that Not this possible. was the, the tournament with, with the, the teams that are going to be in it. This was the opportunity. Because, like, outsiders, yes, they won the major. But they won, They have to do something else, right? So you want to kind of see them really do well at this one to cement themselves. Heroic, the same thing. And unfortunately, I think when you change, when you have to change a lineup like this so soon before, it's probably not going to be the case. But at the same time, 
again, we don't know why Starvin's not there, but I think it has it probably has to do with his brother. And I can kind of respect them for giving him that time because I think it would be a little bit unfair if he is if it is a thing of I want to be with my family during this time. Like we're still humans at the end of the day. So there'll be other events, but I do agree with you. It is a bit of a bummer, but it's still going to be an interesting one because I think that they, they can still perform to a point where we can go, actually, hold on. I wish Joe can say Heroic's always been the bridesmaid and never the bride because I always felt like they never quite were able to, to get across the finish line and perform when it came down to those big games. They've now done it. So if they finish in a good position for this one, I feel like that will put them in a good place for next year. And also, they're also the bridesmaid, of course, because... They're frustrated that they're not the bride and they're open for business. They're going to fuck anyone at that at that time. They can get fucked by anyone. So they, something like that, I don't know, whatever. Like I said, put that to the focus group. It's the wording. You've got to get the wording right on jokes, <laughs> as I saw in that episode there. So come on, Maui, hit me with it. What do you think on this? Well, I mean, it's pretty hard to argue against this because you do want to just see if they're going to compete. Because I, I know that... Um... I mean, I talked to Apex briefly after like the, the Rio major and he says like they're just going to go they're going to take a break. They're going to go full focus into the global finals. And that's what we wanted to see. We wanted to see a, a lengthy break because a lot of the top teams, when they came to the Rio major, they had been playing all of, like pro league, RMR, like there's just so many events that they had to play consecutively to reach this this final uh, big event. And and a lot of people kind of knew what their strats were. They kind of they kind of knew what to game plan against. And it's I, I think it's partially why we saw so many upsets. I mean, I think that there's reasons that the underdogs did better at this last event, like we already talked about with the A1S. But I also think that some of those teams were just really well studied. And now they have time that they should focus into winning this event because it is a, a way to, you know, close out their season. I know a lot of people like, I mean, a lot of teams right now, like they have so much to prove. That's the main thing. And Heroic now, it almost feels like because they... I mean, because they already won the fall finals because they're not using Stown. Now they're just a team that's just kind of like playing spoiler. And and you don't want to really see anybody just be a spoiler team in the global finals. Like the only team just by the nature of them qualifying, I guess, is like OG. Like they're the one team that's like they could play spoiler. But every other team seems to have a legitimate claim here that they could be a top team in the world. And and yet if if uh, Heroic do it, then we kind of almost... We almost have to like discredit them even more, um, like the other teams. Like it, it's kind of like it puts us in a weird situation uh, as as people as onlookers, where we're just seeing like, well, is is heroic actually like a really great core? Is Stown not that good actually? Like now it, it draws into so many questions. But like we just want hard answers from the global finals. That's what it should do. It should give us like it should tell us who the best team in the world is going into twenty twenty three. And now we're robbed of that because of, of like one extenuating circumstance. By the way, Tech Girl, I, 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 I'm going from memory here, but wasn't it the case actually that even though I joke like it's not as big a tournament, the pinnacle one that they won, like because they hadn't actually won a land tournament together, that still was a big deal to them, right? Like I think they even said something like just to lift the trophy was like a big deal, right? I mean, I think it was a big deal. They partied for like 24 hours after winning it because I had to listen to them in the hotel lobby. But yes, I think it was okay. a huge deal for them. They got to lift a trophy. Yeah, they were play. It was it was insane. Like it, it was mental for them. But I mean, they didn't follow through after that. Then they had a couple of moments where they didn't really carry on. So it was it was still a small event. But I think lifting a trophy on stage was good for team morale. Um, but yeah, for them it was important. And was I think it was like because they hadn't actually been able to do that just yet. So it was it was a good one for them at the start of the year. And like let's just say that it got them to where they are now. We'll just pretend that it helped on their on their journey forward. Sure. By the way, I will just say as an aside because like I've always said this, like it, my role in esports is obviously people get these egos like big big balloons all blown up and I'm just the little prick that comes like 
and pops it on. That's all. That's my, just my role. So I will say, I saw a lot of people trying to do that sentiment of like, you didn't win the major, but you did. You got your title at blast. It's like, listen, let's be real. Like, you'd rather win the major. Like, there's, there's, they didn't sort of like make up for that. Like, in fact, I have to say, if I won the blast fall, I would just be thinking, we could have won this and the major. Like, I'd be thinking that way, you know. And dude, this should be like our start to an era. So, like, just miss me with that narrative. I know people would try and like make them feel better. Like, there's no me feeling better about losing the major final. Like, you lost. Like, you actually will. For, no joke. Like that little video I made on the last free nation. You'll be haunted by that for the your life that's just the way it is even if by the way a lot of people don't know this is a very subtle point i've heard for real even if you do win championships later you still think like i should have that plus that one like the maddest one ever if you heard this story mouse it's real it's supposedly jerry west who was a player from the 60s and the 70s in basketball and lost in the final something meant like eight times even though he did win and he won in like an epic season afterwards he said like it didn't even vaguely touch like the disappointment of all the times you lost so sorry to be the bearer of bad news guys but actually winning past four finals doesn't make up for losing the final i'm afraid also with the oh go for it yeah i was just gonna say like any competitor you speak to no matter what game it is with and 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 even if you move outside of games and you go into sports if you're like if you want to be a champion it's never going to be good enough losing losing the major last four that means nothing like you lost the major that's going to stick with you all the way through next year as well because if you're a true competitor i think that's just how you're wired right and even when you win you'll be happy you won and then the next day you'll sit and talk about all the things you did wrong even though you won and you'll try and fix them. That's just the nature of what makes the best the best. If we even want to frame it. Major. Sorry, that was just, I'm throwing in a cheeky bit at the end. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. If we even want to frame how the team stacked up at the fall finals with how they played at the major, Heroic didn't even beat a playoff team at the major in the fall finals. Like everyone, like phase was 0-3. Like you look at the form of some of these teams and that's why this this win for the fall finals, I mean, it's it's a win. It's a big win. The tournament matters. Like these te- these are legitimately good teams, but in terms of form, a lot of them could be drawn into question. It's why I would have, I mean, going into those grand finals, like I know, I think the, you know, the history says FaZe should have won that grand finals, but also like form, form obviously was lying oh, with course. Heroic. Like they yes. just made it to the grand final. Like, and, but again, like everybody that Heroic beat in the playoffs did not even qualify, uh, of the playoffs of the fall finals. You had a G2 team that didn't even play the major because they didn't qualify. You have a liquid team that went 2-3, FaZe going 0-3. Like that kind of sours the, the, the win that they found there. And so you would want to like... I don't know. You can't go one-to-one with the global finals in the major, but also, like, it felt like it could have mattered more. It could have mattered so much more, and if they won that on top of it, then I actually would really believe in their, like, their ranking as number one right now. Right, Common, then, what is your ugly point, Tech Girl? I mean, it's the... I think, for me, it's the the Hunden ban being lifted. I just... I mean, what a shit show. Integrity commission. Like, I think it's just proven that if you've got enough money for lawyers now, none of that actually matters. And I I do think it's important to have something like ESIC around. Like, I I do think that that's necessary, but not in the form. At the moment, it just feels like a little bit of a joke to me. And uh, in South Africa, we have something, I mean, obviously, because that's where I was based. I grew up with esports here. And we, we have an organization that tries to do this whole thing as like an oversight committee. And it just turned into this like, fraudulent shit show where they did nothing and it kind of just reminds me of that so it's just ugly to me and i I, that was the thing that's been bugging me uh, since i've been reading about it it's just got under my skin a little bit i I mean the quick point is just that for, for me is just kind of like laws laws that only punish you based off of uh like like let's say like it's a traffic fine all if you just get a bunch of traffic fines all you have to do is pay a bunch of money 
I mean, anybody that has a lot of money doesn't really care if they get traffic fines. And I feel like that's kind of the same thing now that's been revealed with ESIC. If you have a lot of money that you can like reliably pony up to just get a lawyer, does ESIC even matter to you? So that's that's all I've got on that. Yeah, the actual thing that I think is so dark, it's actually why it's a good ugly point, not just bad, is I don't think people have even realized, like, that's the floodgate open. Uh, fans don't get it because they just think, so wait a minute, they let Peacemaker off. And now it's like, no, no, anyone who gets a lawyer can just get this reduction. Now, look, I will say it's not as simple as that. Like, for example, we still have a totally separate issue. I know a lot of people think these are conflated, but they're not. The whole thing with like Gary and Robin and that thing with the mages, that's Valve. Valve took their own judgment on that one. And that's why hence people like Raging could just like never play a major or whatever. Like that Valve took their own super heavy handed approach. The problem is the ESIC one was essential because the ESIC ban is for non-majors for like ESL circuit, blast circuit, in theory, when Flashpoint or whatever, you know, the smaller tournaments, a lot of them mirrored the rule set. So in theory, that was supposed to be where it's enforced. So the problem I have with it is, is this, like, first of all, if you're smart, everyone should just get a lawyer. I mean, these are all top teams as well. Every single person should just use the same exact exploit that Peacemaker and and the Hunden have been able to use and get their redu the ban reduced as much as possible and just get playing again. Because I'd imagine basically the claim is that like you're in some way like denying the, these people like a livelihood. But why, where do you derive your authority would be the premise. Right? Like, they haven't broken the law of the land, for example. So I would, I would imagine it's almost treated as though you're like conspiring against them in some fucked up way. Maybe even defaming them unless you could prove in a court of law that they did what you said they did. Like, remember, a lot of the investigations, the other part people miss with ESIC, the investigations are done behind the scenes and you never get to see them because that's just the nature of how they're done. So you have to actually, this is a key point, it's like being a journalist. Like, you'll never get to see my sources or my working out. So you have to trust that I am a credible person, that I do not lie. So that's why, as a result, you'll notice there tend to be two classes of people. There are the ones who are considered the gossipy tabloid type people and then there's the people who are the legit ones and that's why the legit journalist. If you notice the number one trigger for people like me and Richard Lewis, it isn't to call us like an asshole or say we're wrong. It's if you say we're unprofessional. It's if you say we lied. It's if you say we don't have integrity. Because it, these are the calling cards of our industry. So the problem I have for the ESIC angle is, I think essentially this just shows they're a paper tiger. It's like if you just bring a lawyer, they just have to roll over because there's another thing I think people haven't thought about. Right? The reason normally in esports that you can use contracts that might not hold up to fuck people over is because, for example, if you're a massive team, the player doesn't want to go to court because his career is now. He can't wait a year to sort this out in court. He has to play the next match and get a salary. The, the, the crazy thing about the ESIC scenario, and this is actually something I sort of predicted a few years ago, when I said, how can this work if no one funds it, though? Like, it can't just be ESL funds it or ESL and Blast funds it. Like, in a way, the players and maybe even the fans should fund it. Because the problem is, without a war chest, how do they ever do these court cases? Like, if I had to guess, they probably don't have loads of money at ASIC. They probably couldn't afford to do a bunch of these cases. And by the way, God forbid, like, 10 of these coaches come at once and say, if you want to keep us banned, we're all going to court in all these different countries. Like, that's a nightmare. I don't think you can even logistically do it if you're ASIC. If people don't know, you can go watch some old By the Numbers episodes. I think Richard even said they had a fairly small crew of people at the beginning. I don't even think they have that many people now. So the other flaw, by the way, I'll just throw this in as well. That's also why the name itself was a reach and a half, in my opinion. Esports integrity. Motherfucker, you're barely getting. Control of tier one Counter Strike. 
remove the esports part, mate. Like, League of Legends is a daughter of that. They're, they're, that's like the entire world. How are you going to cover that? So, unfortunately, what I think we've seen is, it's another classic example, like CSPPA. Yeah, everyone wants a body like that to exist. It could do so much good for the space. I'd even say these bodies, uh, rare opportunities, have done good. They have done some cool things. And by the way, just revealing all that bug stuff was pretty relevant and pretty key, and I think did need to come out. CSPA, some of the things they re brought up were relevant. But if you can't ever enforce the things you say... It does become a bit pointless at the end of the time. And my problem is, I'll bring it back to what I've always said on By The Numbers. The fear I have, much like CSBPA, is unless you actually do what you are supposed to do, it's worse than, like, well, at least they tried. No, now you're occupying the space of what would be necessitated. Like, the joke is, if we do want an eSports Integrity Coalition, isn't ESIC in their way? Like, haven't they already got that part of the market cornered? So they kind of have to do the job right or get the fuck out, I'm afraid. That's just kind of the nature of the industry. It's interesting that you brought up the money thing, though, because when I was reading up on their, their report where they did the whole thing on Hunden about how he had obviously, like, shared this document. So they, they'd said there that they had a forensic analyst going through. The first thing I thought when I read that was, like, how the hell did they pay for that? Because that is super expensive. And I think that that's the issue, like, you brought up. I just think it's a money thing at the end of the day. If you have one of these organizations that's properly funded, that has the resources or has the legal support, then you can't just lawyer up and fight them. And it, it is needed. Like, we do need something like that because there is these problems and it, it would be good to have some sort of oversight. But I just, if there's no money there, like, at the end of the day, and it, it's, at the end of the day, no money, and you know that if I can just hire a lawyer, and we all know with lawyers, if you've got more money than the other person, you're going to win. It kind of just makes the whole argument views. And then it's going to be difficult because the next time they come out with a ruling, I just don't know if anyone's going to take it very seriously. Yes. What you really need, and sadly this ship sailed, and you need like go back in time 10 years, you need to, it to be like me and Richard Lewis, but we're like the X-Files, we're Mulder and Scully, you know, like I'm like, Rich, I'm pretty sure Foss is cheating. He's like, I didn't see anything. I didn't see it. I'm sorry, I, my head was turned at the time. I didn't see it. Like, go get him next time. Like that, that's what you need. You need people just willing to just go to the ends of the earth. And unfortunately, dude, I actually get the vibe. This is actually the transition period to the opposite. I actually think the industry is going to become more like football and sports and become mega corrupt. I don't think it will like tune up and become awesome. I think essentially, like even though we're bringing it up as like a silly point, it's a real point. It'll become like if you are wealthy enough, the law doesn't apply to you. Which spoiler, that's how the real world works, guys. In case you're not aware, like I always make the point on this show. If you know how industry regulation works, industry regulations always seem to come conveniently sort of like allow the top guy in the industry to keep doing what he's doing but then just fuck the guy who's trying to compete with him like it's the same in this space so the real problem is the only person who's fucked is probably like the tier 2.5 coach who got wrecked and isn't going to go to court and didn't even think of hiring a lawyer like that guy is absolutely fucked but the guys were all at tier one like you're almost a fool if you don't try it at this point in time you is well you might get unbanned why not go for it and also, I will say as well, the problem with the Honden case, and this was something I, I struggled with myself, is because all that extra drama came out of it, like the thing of like, maybe he manipulated like Nico and he knew Nico had like, you know, was on the autism spectrum. Because that just seems so horrible, it's not technically like particularly illegal if you don't know guys. So the problem is because you just really don't like Honda when you hear that story, it makes you think he should get an even stronger punishment. But actually, that's, that's what makes it so tough. Because what did he actually do? Like he sort of, tried to trick Nico into, like, admitting that he did something. Like, that's not really that bad, actually. Like, 
The idea you would manipulate him is bad, but the actual action is not like, it's not like he murdered someone. Put it this way, he didn't even do anything as bad as what Config did. Config tried to actually have a real-life fight with someone. Like, that's that's clearly worse. So, that, the, the other tough thing as well, in my opinion, is like, the Hunden one is the one that makes it look the worst because everyone just hated this guy. So, if he gets off, it's like, now what do we do about all the people who just did the crime and didn't do any salacious shit? Like, it feels like they should all be off too, right? <laughs> like, go there, Maui. What is your yeah. ugly point? Uh... It's okay. Mine is something that I would want to coin as, as I would just call it rating culture and rating culture is just, is to me just kind of stats driven discussions where it's the stats are preceding the point as opposed to someone making a claim and then using stats as they're supposed to be used to actually uh, draw a conclusion or like to supplement their argument. So like the example, an example of this is, is that it's led us to this point in discussions where it's like there's so little nuance that people are making these weird claims for for why players are performing badly or teams okay. are performing badly. Like this will be a line that I'd hear that I'd hear from like actual people in the space like pundits is that someone will say something like electronic isn't working with the same bit that Boomich had and it's like no, no, it's not, and because they, they look at the rating that Bit had, and they think, ah, you know, Bit's just playing badly, and and Electronic doesn't have much to work with. No, it's the opposite of that. It's the system that Electronic is not putting together, so Bit can't thrive. And so, like, right. the, the cause and effect here is just completely backwards. Like, people are starting to say things like, people are so form-driven now in their discussions and how they want to take conversations that, like, people actually believe right now that they can see the difference between a 1.13 player and a 1.10 player on HLTV. It's like, trust me, you you cannot tell the difference. You you literally cannot look. If you look at that game and ratings and stats were taken away from it, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference in 0 .03 rating. Like that's a slide in performance or anything like that. And I think where this is like really apparent is that a lot of people, and rightly so, were, were praising Fame for what he was doing. But I mean, this kind of feeds back into things that, and it's a little bit self-indulgent because I've been praising Jame for so long. It's like what Fame was doing with under Jame was better than his he ever did in his career. And so what I'm trying what I'm trying to put forward here is that like if you look at the stats, Fame had more like 1.2 plus rating stats with James than he was like ever having with K23 under Neyland, and the competition got better. And so it's not that Fame just suddenly said today, I'm going to be good. It's that he played under a leader that put him in better positions. And yet the stats driven narrative people will kind of just say like, oh, look at this. Fame, Fame is, Fame is doing so well. Like, look at that. Like James, James plucked this guy out and he was like already a god. It's like, no, it's the system that James put together that enabled Fame. And I just find those kinds of discussions discussions really lazy I, th I find them just lacking a lot of nuance and i just feel like it's just entirely reductive and it honestly just doesn't give credit to the right people or uh co mostly coaches mostly igls there i've experienced this like quite a bit with with analysts on desk sometimes where i feel like they miss the just a piss off everyone i've worked with uh they feel like they miss the the nuance of like what's actually going on like there is a team of people here that are playing there's coaches involved but they'll just be like oh that player's playing like shits and you'll be like well no just because they're not getting the they might not be getting the kills but look how they're setting everyone else up for success and i, I feel like exactly what you said so everyone's just getting really focused on numbers and you do miss the the nuance of what's involved and and that there are like i said more players in a team you've got to look at the bigger picture to determine if someone's popping off see who potentially gave them the space to pop off like you said maui i'm basically just agreeing with you that's actually all i'm doing so i'm gonna stop talking it's all good here's the thing though i definitely know what you oh, mean like you. where you were implied like you were both by the way loki like 
calling people out there without saying the names because like another classic thing people have even done it on this show loads of times is you know when you have a coach or another player because one thing that no one's allowed to say this so I'm going to say it motherfucker is just because they're coaches and players doesn't mean they watch every game and study the scene like Maui does like some of them just know things from the games they happen to watch in their practice like sometimes when they tell you a player's good or bad they're going off like actually their own reductive skill like set of games maybe some of them are practice games we didn't see but sometimes like, you can tell when they're waffling when they do this when they just go it's like Maui says they'll just be a player bits of great example because if people don't know his numbers are way lower than they were in the land period last year they'll look at that and instead of looking at the fact like inarguably they've moved him on some of the CT spots for start off like the way they use him on T side seems different like yeah absolutely the system seems to have changed where this player goes and spoiler that's actually why I think he was overrated last year Maui I think actually he was basically they figured out how to take a player that was very rough around the edges and they put him in the best possible spots and we heard all those stories like wow like electronic and simple tell him like when he's gone too far when to pull back like that's how that's not the player doing that is it like that's like fucking he's got the training wheels on yeah he was the absolute best training wheels player you've ever seen but it, it wasn't just from his brain it wasn't like he got the experience and downloaded it matrix style and now he knows how to fly a helicopter like he was benefiting from their approach and maybe even extra attention from other players that maybe eventually in the system want to do their own shit so the problem I have is you know when people on these shows see like the rating drop so it goes from like a 1.12 to like a 1.5 all they do is to avoid actually analysing the player they go I don't think he's being given the right roles or enough resources. It's like that just because those words do so much heavy. They're like fucking Atlas holding the world up there like bloody hell. Like, Cause it's like the joke is you've said that, like you've answered the question. Like that's just the beginning. Like now I want to know what roles are they get, you know, like, but the problem I will say, this is also what makes it tricky on shows to talk is even if you've studied a team, if you just didn't even watch one last land they played, they might have switched their roles. You might look like a fool of watch if you try and name exactly what they do on T-side or what they're doing on this particular map. So it is tricky, but I agree. I actually think what you're talking about, Maui, is what kills me. Because basically, without going too fucking philosophical, it's actually like a classic philosophical dilemma it's like David Hume's is art problem, isn't it? It's like the idea you like something is, so you just derive an art from it. Like, right, well, if the numbers are low, then obviously, like, they're not using him. And it's like, well, look into it. Like, look, that's a good, listen, that's a great speculation. That's a good starting place. Like, those are the questions you probably should ask. But you're just making that the destination. You're just like, right, well, if the number's down, that means then he, I, well, you just pick. If you don't like the player, he's shit or worse. If you don't like the team or the, or the IGL, the IGL's not using him, right? This guy would way be here about it. If you don't like the core, what the fuck's this called? You know what I mean? Like, the joke is it's just an excuse to blame anyone you like without ever actually doing any analysis. You just looked at a bloody number and the number going down tells you that player's worse, whereas I don't think that's the case at all. Like, I'll give you an example. There's a player recently, I think it's a perfect example of why just looking at numbers and ratings will will lead you astray all the time. You know the player Yabby, who plays for Heroic now? Mate, this player is about twice as good for the eye test than his stats would tell you. His stats are pedestrian as fuck. It's why everyone was going, like, it's just a side graded it like he's not even that good I thought the same thing and then when I looked at how they use him in heroic and his actual skill set listen he's not like some super duper player but mate his first bullet with the AK Maui is fucking mega and the amount of times I saw rounds where that alone just like broke open around won them around like he got like a 2k that like brought them back in the numbers of it. like that's an example there of where I don't care that he then died and he ended up like an entry player style with like an even differential you had insane impact on the game but the, the problem is the number can't tell you that the computer isn't advanced enough to know 
more like that nuance. It like that's like it, to ask a computer if it could judge that player would genuinely be some sort of shit where you're like asking like an AI to look at like a picture. Like, is this person happy or something? Like, you're on some like next level shit at that point. Like, it can't do that. It's just telling you a basic number calculated off stuff like kill minus death plus the idiot. Like, you know, say a very simple formula if people don't know. People act like it is like HAL 9000 or something. Like, like I'm sorry, uh, Twigris, but actually. Jabby is not that good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, only a human can tell you that. I'm sorry. Only a human. Yeah, and I think it's just, I mean, beyond that, I think it's just like, it, it's kind of, it's just so prevalent, I think, with, with how teams, I, I don't know if teams necessarily are thinking about it as much, but it's kind of like shaped so many discussions that... I think like the I don't know if you're, you're fans going are obsessed with it. Later. I would say the fans. I'm going to do that as my last yeah. point. Yes, but yeah, basically, okay, we'll, I would we'll say, just, yeah, I'll say it is the number one way that fans break stuff down. Yeah, absolutely. It's why I think what always tricks them as well is like, like let's be real. I, I feel like at this point in time, no joke. If you ask a fan who are your top five players, they don't actually sit down, Maui, and go right. I'll make a list and then I'll do, I'll sort it out in a minute. What they do, no joke, is they go HLTV stats players land yep. uh, top twenty, and then they just look at who the top eight is. And if one of them's weird, like one of them's like fucking sad, like take him off, obviously. And then they just go right. It's uh, simple, G Woo, like fucking play math, like stuff. And it's like those are just you didn't. Your brain was not even involved in that distinction. Like you haven't even told me why you just because on the top of that list. Whereas like to me, I think it's the other way. Around. I've always said this to me the stat either opens the discussion and you then go and investigate or in the case in this particular case I like to just watch the game and then afterwards I kind of check like am I way off base or is this guy actually playing whoa that's that's not as good as I thought oh, whoa it's actually better than I thought I, I like to use it as a sort of sorting tool I don't ever use it as like the it tells me what to think about the game I think that's too far Basically, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, Maui can join me, but we're going to lead a fucking Butlerian jihad on you motherfuckers who are on the stats train. Oh, there's a quick aside thing I want to say, actually, which is there are actually some people who have done good work in this field. Like, one, that's why I actually like those articles that Nero guy does on HLT. Because yeah. even though he's using the stats, he then tries to sort between them and give you other context. And I actually thought a really great video on this topic was the one that King T did about utility damage. Go watch this video. Video, it's really good because what he tells you is a load of areas like basically this is real when people are saying stuff like this team does more utility damage people weren't even filtering for map yeah like for yeah. real like stuff like crazy stuff like that where it, it, as a result like those numbers meant nothing like like telling me that the team that plays dust two all the time has like more utility damage than the team that plays like overpass like what are you talking about like you are you are absolutely comparing apples and oranges and going one has a much more orange sort of like, yeah no shit that's the orange you idiot like you know what i mean there's no there's nothing to derive from that <laughs> it depends if you want an orange or not doesn't it so i actually think there are some people who have done some good work to sort of push back against this because i agree it's just a, let's be real it's not like it's wrong it's just a lazy approach Right, Maui already sort of teased it there, but yes, he actually did read my mind. My ugly point, notice, I'm, here's the thing I am very good at, Maui's day. I'm good at knowing what category to put my points in, because I actually will not say, like, put it this way, Inters ain't the hill I'm going to die on, mate. Like, I'll die on, like, a Kenny S hill, a fucking device, an eco, because the difference is the upside's amazing on those players. Listen, Inters, you're cool, and you're doing a good job playing support, but I'm not going to, like, the grave to defend you, mate. But that's why it's an ugly, because I'm willing to accept I could be wrong, and this isn't something unsurprising that I've tunneled, and I haven't watched, like, every Inters position on CT side for, like, three months or something. But I will say, when Gambit first came around last year, and I did watch a lot of their games, and I specifically did watch 
watch a lot of this player for the last point because he was always the player that had the worst stats. And what I discovered, a lot of people will know this, King T also did a video on this, or maybe it was Paladin, one of the two did a video on this. What you'll discover is a lot of the qualities that we all now celebrate about Perfecto from Na'Vi, that's Inter's on fucking Cloud9. He's doing a lot of the same things. He is the guy who just sometimes has to, like, not die. That's a job of his. Sometimes he is the guy who's just holding a spot on a site while someone rotates. Like, he's doing a lot of the shit roles. So the problem I have with this is, it's why I put it in ugly, is I'm not against the idea you could replace Inter's or maybe someone could be better at his job. Or even more importantly, I will say, if you look at the three land majors that they've played, he has done badly at the majors. Like, for some reason, that one tournament, he does have a downgraded performance. But my problem is, I genuinely feel like this is, like, some 10 year ago problem in Counter-Strike where what you do is when one of your big names so in this particular case let's be real we're not even blaming any of the stars or, or Gambit anymore or Cloud9 now we're just blaming Nefari right except we're not instead of blaming Nefari we're just firing Inters I don't get that you know what I mean like who the fuck aside from people on Reddit was called for Inters head the last six months it's Nefari or it's Axel not showing up or Hobbit having a shipment no but this was like fucking like dude like this might be a problem maybe it is but it's so far down the list so why is this number one on the list because I've said this in the past but it's my number one pet peeve in esports games is if you use a soccer slash football analogy what we do in esports over and over again if you let players pick the team is they a, a midfielder isn't scoring goals or making chances so you just fire a defender and just let the midfielder stay and hire another midfielder it's like well now you haven't got a defender because in this particular case like I say just go watch some Inter's games he does not play a similar role to anyone in that team he is absolutely getting all the shit fucking positions in most cases as far as I can tell and as far as I can tell like I say they didn't lose the games because Inter's didn't get kills that's not his job like they lost the games because they finally call like shit and then it set some of the stars up to be in really bad spots so the bad thing is it's like Maui, you called for fucking Navani's head so much. Like, they fucked around and killed the wrong person. They're going to kill Inters now, apparently. Why does he have to die? Why does he have to die? Yeah. Where are you at on this one? Come on. Because in uh, the past, to I be mean, fair, like, okay. attack holds you. Yeah. You've gone the other way on it before. Well, I, I think that I think that Inters actually... Like, I, I think he's probably not the best in the world at his positions, necessarily. But it is a... a, a He's oftentimes in positions where he's so devoid of resources. And I, I just think that the main thing is like kind of what I've been saying for I don't know how long now, like seven months or so, even with the Dallas win, that I think the main the main issue with this team is Nafani's system, his lack of being able to make adjustments in the middle of a game or a middle of a half to decide something uh, or to change something because he was just, he was like, like Groove was the one that was calling. Groove was the IGL when they were a top team online. Like that's the that's the main thing for this roster is that it's not it's not a support player that they they could they could switch and be better. Like I think they might be looking at a couple of the the successful teams of the year so far. Heroic going refresh for Yabby, uh, Phase going all off for Rops, and think that that's gonna fix things for them. But it's like. The ROPS, the ROPS fix for, for FaZe was kind of like, uh, Kerrigan changed a little bit of the system to accommodate ROPS and so that they could like get the most out of him while while actually making sure that their current stars are going to keep performing well. Uh, Yabby is actually probably the best one-to-one -one upgrade because they kind of just threw him into those spots and he was just better. And But for Inters, like, it's tough to imagine that there's going to be too many players out there that are better. I guess Forrester is what's on a lot of people's minds, but I don't think Forrester's actually one-for-one -one playing all the same spots as Inters. By the way, Maui, it has, it, it's got to yeah. crack you up when people on Reddit say that. Because you know whenever they want to move, they don't just go, he plays similar spots. They go, he plays all the same spots you're like what are the chances what no way by the yeah. way there's almost no player really plays all the spots on every map come on 
Come on. No, I don't. Yeah, I, I think that <laughs> I, I can't go. I, I don't think, for example, like Inter, like where it's where it's weird for Cloud9 and for Inters is that he had a couple spots which were like supposed to be doing a little bit better. Yes, and that's I think true. that's where they probably like did did want him to do more. Like he was the cave player on CT side, which is kind of like you usually put like think of all the other cave players for other teams. You got Rain, you got Nico, uh, like like Yakindar plays there a lot. Like you got all these like crazy good riflers, and then they decided to put Inters there. Did I? Where I draw, like, what? Why do they throw Inters there and not Axile? You know, like, because Axile, like, and and the thing is, you look at Inters' CT numbers when he was playing Cave, and it's like he wasn't really that bad at it. But he, but it's kind of weird that they put Axile just as that lone A defender, where you usually just put your shittiest rifler. So I think that's kind of a system thing. I think they caught, could have probably even switch if they wanted to remove Inters. They maybe could have switched spots before they removed Inters. But I, I still am just of the opinion, like. Naphany needs to not be the IGL of this team because it's been a whole year already. And and where like some people say like give them time, like we've seen so many. Yeah, how much more time, time do they want? They've had quite yeah, a while yeah, now. Like, like there needs to be some urgency for this team for me. Like I don't I don't really buy the give them time thing. It's the most passive and kind of beta approach. And like you might have already missed Axile's prime, by the way. You might have missed Shiro's prime. Like it could be gone. Like True. skill is so fleeting in Counter Strike that you might have already missed your window of opportunity for this team. It might never come again, by the way. Just nice black pill for the entire team. Okay, go on, hit me, hit me with tech girl. Come on. I'm pretty much in agreement, but I just think that like I, I get the thing that they haven't performed, so you're gonna have to make a change, right? That's how it always goes. But I yep. don't think that the change should be inters. I think they're gonna if they make the change, and I don't think they're gonna be able to find a decent enough replacement. I think they're still gonna be shit, and they're gonna have to make another change. I mean, that's where they're at. I just don't think inters is is the change that needs to happen. Yeah.